Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, where we go inside what makes a coach a coach. I hadn't even graduated from college yet, and Tom Davis gave me an opportunity to be an assistant basketball coach at Stanford University at 22 years old. That was a start, and of course the rest is history. The Guardians of the Game podcast is a production of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and IMG, and is brought to you by Wilson Sporting Goods. And now your host, Coach Dave Odom. Welcome to another edition of the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. Today's guest, fresh off a very impressive performance in the Maui Gym Maui Tournament in Maui, Hawaii, is the head coach of the Auburn Tigers, Bruce Pearl, my friend and a great coach. How you doing, Bruce? I'm great, David. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, I hope I know it was a long trip over, a long trip back for you and and your team. But uh, you got young bodies; they'll recover quickly. Uh, just kind of getting myself back in order. <laughs> well, you know, playing in uh, in Maui is uh, you know it can be a once in a lifetime experience. Um, and I was over there as assistant coach in 1987 with Dr. Tom Davis, and I think it was the third or fourth Maui Invitational, and it was a it was a great field that year. Kansas went on and won the national championship. We had beat uh, Larry Brown and, and Danny Manning in the, in the semifinal game, and then we beat Roy Massimino and Villanova in the championship game. And so I had great memories as an assistant. Never had the opportunity to go over as head coach until you gave me that opportunity uh, when I got the Auburn job. And, David, I'll never forget the conversation. Um, you know, I called, and, 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 and you said you'd consider it, but you were honest with me saying, you know, Bruce, right now the program is not where – it's not competitive right now, and, 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 and you know the history of the Maui tournament, and obviously you had a great field already put together with Gonzaga, Duke, Arizona. And I said, David, I, I promise we'll be better, and, uh, and, 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 and we'll travel. And we were, tra- we were better, and we traveled, and, uh, and we just had a great experience, our kids did, being on the floor with the kind of programs that were on the floor. It was, a, it was truly an honor for Auburn to be able to be competing in that field. Well, you, you guys more than held your own in, in, on the court, but um, I'm really more proud about it with your fans. Uh, you know, you, again, more than held your own uh, in the stands as well. I mean, the, the, Auburn, the Auburn fans, the Auburn basketball fans followed you over, and it was a great, great testament to what you're doing uh, in Auburn right now with the basketball program. They wanted to be there. They wanted to support you. They wanted to be part of what was the uh, – atmosphere uh in uh, Lahaina uh that week uh, for those three days and um I think um I think it was good for your league as well I can always get an SEC team to go but I can't get one to follow uh like your team did so uh kudos to you your team but also to your fans well it, it's I uh, thank you and I'll I'll accept that compliment on their behalf um Auburn's a, is a really unique place um you know the word family gets thrown around a lot and uh but but it it lives here in, in, in a really special way and we've made sure and i think this is a message to to every fan base or or coach out there that's working to try to develop a program you can't do it alone and um yeah you know what it's like the chicken and the egg if you win they'll come out but you have to you need them to come out to win and so what has to happen first and so for us, you know, we focused on trying to play hard and try to play the right way, and we didn't win big right away, but, but we, we, we were at least competitive. And uh, our fans appreciated that. And you've got to make sure that the fans understand they're either part of the solution or part of the problem. 
And it's it's either one or the other. And um, we and, and our fans have accepted the responsibility of of of, uh, of knowing that that in order for our program to be nationally competitive and relevant, to where you know to where Sonny Smith had it with Charles Barkley and Chuck Person and that group, and to where uh, uh, Cliff Ellis had it with uh, you know with Chris Porter and and uh, Marquise Daniels and that group. Um, and now hopefully, hopefully this is the time that, uh, that we've got it going on. And, and, uh, um, and so being able to work on your program, both on and off the floor in the classroom, in the community, I think those things are so vital, uh, to coaches as they develop their programs. Bruce, I want to, um, let's work our way down through your, uh, your, your history. Um, I mean, if we go to present time, uh, 537 wins and 208 losses. You're 75 and 63 at Auburn today. But there's so much more to the story than just statistics. So let's kind of work our way biographically down. Uh, you were born in Boston, so you're a native New Englander. Englander. You went to high school up in that area. You graduated uh, from Boston College. I don't think you played a sport. What'd you do in uh, Boston College that was notable? Well, David, I think, um, you know, I, I was, uh, when I was 14 years old, I was the best athlete in my town. I was the first kid picked. I was the quarterback. I pitched. Um, you know, I was, I was the captain of the basketball team, whatever. Now, you may think, well, 14 years old, yeah, you was only in eighth grade, eight or ninth grade. Yep, that was the truth. Um, but I don't know if I, 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 I tell you, something happened to me. I had almost a career-ending knee injury at that age, uh, just, uh, just uh, devastating, but I didn't let it define me. It, it limited my abilities to be a, a great high school athlete. And, uh, I had a really good athletic career in high school, but it wasn't, it wasn't notable. We won some state championships or, or you know, league championships and, and baseball. And, and, uh, I was first baseman. I could no longer pitch. God had a plan for me. And part of it was to cut me down to size. Part of it was to to take that great, great gift of elite athleticism and uh, make me do other things. And so as a result in high school, I became the class president. I performed in the, in the, in, 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 in the drama competitions. I started to experience and learn about other kids that were in school that weren't athletes, that had other talents. It just made me a better person uh, because of the adversity of no longer being the best athlete in town. It actually drew me closer to God. And I understood what my ministry was going to be like because he changed it for me. And so I went to BC, a place that I wanted to go play football at. Couldn't, it wasn't good enough. Wasn't, wasn't, you know, just couldn't do it. And so I walked on the basketball team my freshman year. And shortly after those tryouts and being a practice player, you know, for a few practices, Dr. Tom Davis brought me in his office and said, you're not good enough. You're going to kill yourself or kill somebody else out here. And so I started as a manager. And um, I'm, I'm proud of that. Worked my way up for four years working for Tom Davis at, at BC. And um, never never for a day did I ever think I was going to be a coach. I did it because I loved the game. I loved Tom Davis. I loved helping him develop the program. I loved BC. And then my senior year, Dave, Tom Davis got the Stanford job in the spring of my senior year. And he called me over to his house. And I said, oh, no. The only other time he called me over to his house was when I got caught streaking across campus and I was going to be in trouble for something. And I said, what have I done now? And sure enough, he told me, he said, I've just taken a Stanford job. I'm on a plane tomorrow morning, and I want you to come with me. I hadn't even graduated from college yet. 
And Tom Davis gave me an opportunity to be an assistant basketball coach at Stanford University at 22 years old. Because of all we had done together to try to help grow that BC program when we first started the Big East. So you don't have to, it, you don't have to have a silver spoon. I didn't. You, I wasn't a great player. You know, you got to take advantage of an opportunity. I, I had an opportunity at BC to serve, and I must have served in enough of a capacity for Tom Davis to see something in me to put me on a plane with him to help him go build the Stanford program. And, and again, that was the start, and, of course, the rest is history. People like myself have been in basketball all our lives. We know all about Dr. Tom Davis. I actually coached against him a couple of times when I was at Wake Forest and he was at Iowa. Um, I don't know, maybe you were on the, other, uh, the bench uh, uh, opposite me. I remember that. You were in Nashville. In the yeah, yeah, Curtis. Nashville. Yeah. And, Chris, that was my very first year as head coach at Southern Indiana. I had been with Tom for six years. That was his seventh season. And uh, you had the Big Roger, Big Rogers kid. Yeah, yeah, we did. And, Rodney uh, Rogers. Uh, but, you know, so, so much of what we're trying to do is talk about mentors and what they meant to uh, each of us. Uh, as we went through our lives trying to develop a little bit, um, what was unique about Tom Davis that that drew you to him? And I know you were grabbing for straws and yeah. first thing that came along and it happened to be him and that worked out. But what, what was unique about him that made him so good? Well, first of all, it's, it's hard for me to answer this question without tears kind of welling up in my eyes because, uh, you know, Tom Davis gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. And, um, you know, I was with him from the very beginning, David. I mean, you know, what we did at the Big East and, and at Boston College, and then we left that to one of his uh, mentors and protégés, actually one of his protégés, Gary Williams. Um, and then Tom and I went up to Stanford, and we, we built a competitive program there, and then we went to Iowa together and, and, uh, and turned that program around. But you asked me the question, what was unique about Tom? Tom had a system. Um, and whether it was uh, what he did in his own offense that was innovative, what he did with what he did with taking Pete Newell's reverse action cut, the old flex cut, and how he made that uh, made that different, and uh, you know what he did with his with his uh, with his with his full court pressure defenses, borrowing from Coach Wooden and others. Uh, you know he always gave John Bart, the great coach at Wisconsin Platteville, great credit for developing him as a coach. So the greatest compliment you could ever give me as a coach ever. And maybe the first one would be maybe the way my student-athletes play and how they graduate in, in life after basketball. But then the second thing would be, tell me my teams look a little bit like Tom Davis's teams. And there's nothing you can say to me. That would be a greater, a greater compliment. Tom's unique quality was his patience. He was patient. Demanding. He saw, pe- saw things in people they didn't see in themselves. But like great teachers, he understood people's strengths. He also understood their weaknesses and he had great tolerance for some of his weaknesses. And there were many players that Tom was extremely patient with that never would have developed into great players, great pros, had it not been for his great ability to teach. He truly, the basketball court was truly, truly his classroom. Okay. So in 1992, you ended your career as an assistant at the division one level. Uh, you were offered the job at Southern Indiana. Before you tell us about that, I mean, th- that, that's an unusual move, uh, giving up Division I work, taking a Division II challenge, and eventually you ended up winning the national championship at Southern Indiana. Tell me about the decision first, because I would think it was hard to leave Dr. Tom Davis 
and it was hard to leave Division One. But you saw something at Division Two level in Southern Indiana that said, "That's for me. I got to try it." David, another another great question. Um, because uh, Tom Davis was part of the John Barth Wisconsin Platteville. Tom played at Platteville. Um, we had a relationship with Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan was a, was was then a, a young Division three coach that had been very very successful at Tom's alma mater, Wisconsin Platteville. So when we were assistants at Stanford and Iowa, we got really close with Bo. I'll never forget Bo telling myself and Gary Close and and several other members of the the coaching staff at Iowa, guys, don't sweat on Division two or Division three. I'm just telling you. The, the, the quality of the coaching, just the basketball coaching, is mm. as good at that or better at that level than it is even at the Division One level. And if you can go there and cut your teeth and learn how to be a head coach, then you can take that onto the Division One level. And, and David, that was the impetus Detroit, behind my I – had, I had interviewed at a couple of Division One places and didn't get a job. And then I had the opportunity to go to Southern Indiana and Evansville, Indiana – of course, as you know, Indiana is one of the three or four states in this country that does basketball the right way at every level. And you talk about you know walking into a great league with with teams like Kentucky Wesleyan or Northern Kentucky or Bellarmine or you know Lewis or you know, Quincy. Anyways, and I went there and and we had great success. Nine NCAA tournaments, six Sweet Sixteens, finished second ninety four, won a national championship in ninety five, and. Um, we built a terrific program. We had just had, just had the time of our lives in, in Division Two. I could have stayed there forever. I was about 30. Let's see, I took the job when I was 32. I stayed there for nine years. The only reason why I left Southern Indiana was because my job as a coach, you know, is to try to challenge my student-athletes to be the best that they can be. After being there for nine years, I, was, I realized that, you know what, I was kind of settling, and I had – contemporaries in the business, you know, guys that were assistant coaches at different places, you know, like, like, you know, uh, you know, like Roy Williams or, or like Tom Izzo and uh, Kevin Stallings, different guys that were in the big 10 and they all become head coaches and at that division one level. And so it was time for me then after my run at Southern Indiana to try to see if I could cut my teeth at the division one level and see if I could continue to be successful. All right, so you uh, you end your your tenure at uh, Southern Indiana. You got the offer from uh, Wisconsin Milwaukee. Uh, you took the job in uh, two thousand and one. You stayed there four or five years. Did great things there as well. That was your first entree as a head coach at the Division One level. Uh, what was that like? Well, one of the reasons why I took the Wisconsin Milwaukee job was because I wanted the Butler job. And Wisconsin-Milwaukee was in the Horizon League, and that was just a terrific league. Um, you had you know programs like Detroit, Butler, you know Illinois-Chicago. Um, Milwaukee had been really, really down for many, many years. Uh, Bo Ryan actually, ironically, was at Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He left Platteville. He was there for two years and was beginning to rebuild the program and had started to get some better players, and then he got the Wisconsin job. So all of a sudden, the Wisconsin-Milwaukee job opens. I want the Butler job in that league. Don't get it. And then I decide, I'm going to make Butler pay dearly for the fact that they didn't hire me because Butler was right there in Indianapolis and I was in Evansville. I say that, you know, 
lightheartedly because I've got great, great respect for Butler and uh, and their history and the Butler way. Wanted to be their coach. But uh, we went up to Milwaukee. We had a four-year run that was probably a good a four-year run the Horizon League had seen. You know, you know kind of like the runs that those Butler coaches had, had like Barry Collier had at Butler or, or Brad Stevens had or Todd, you know, uh, had and, 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 and the different Butler coaches. And, man, was that – was that fun? And uh, we spent four years there. We got to the NCAA tournament a couple times. And then my last year, we went to uh, the NCAA tournament. We were a 12 seed, and so we, you know, we were in that we were in that 5-12 bracket. And uh, we 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 had Alabama and Mark Gottfried. And uh, you know, Mark said to me, and I love telling the story because it's just a true story. And I, I had great respect for Mark. Mark was at Murray State. Had done a tremendous job there. And before the game, you always wonder what coaches say to each other. You know, before the game, as you're sitting each other, what pleasantries you're visiting with. And Mark and I are watching our teams warm up before the end. He says, Bruce, let me just, I just got to tell you, he said, gosh, you've done a good job over all these years. But, man, when are you going to get a big-time job? You know, because I had been at Southern Indiana Division II. I was at Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And I said, Mark, right after I beat your ass. And uh, <laughs> we proceeded. And Mark and I laughed because we're good friends. And uh, sure enough, we beat Alabama, which got the attention of the people at Tennessee. We actually went on to beat uh, to beat uh, Boston College. The next guy got to the Sweet 16. Of course, as you know, David, that's the key to getting that opportunity. You know, you got to you got to get the NCAA tournament. You got to make some noise. And so we did. The Tennessee job was available. And I remember getting off the plane at Tennessee for my interview. And the first person I saw was Philip Fulmer. And Philip Fulmer met me at the airport. He was head football coach at, at, at Tennessee. And I said, man, these guys must be interested in me. Otherwise, Coach Fulmer wouldn't be here. And he walks over to me. And, of course, I'm in awe. You know, it's Philip Fulmer. It's, it's Joe Paterno. It's, it's Bobby Bowden. I mean, Philip Fulmer is a legend in college football. He says, Coach Pearl, I'm Philip Fulmer, and I'm shaking. He said, I'll be honest with you. Up until about a week ago, I had no idea who you were. He said, but after you beat Alabama in the NCAA tournament, you were my choice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I could tell where you were going with that one. <laughs> All right, so here we are. You, uh, you're getting off the plane in Knoxville, Tennessee. You go over there. You get an interview. And, uh, you know, it, it, the stark reality is uh, you're going to get the offer. You do get the offer. You take it. Football in the SEC is huge. But you, you're looking at another uh, – Huge, uh, not obstacle, but a huge giant. And you've got uh, University of Tennessee, Pat Summit, uh, the uh, arguably one of the two best women's basketball programs in the country. In your decision, I would think, Bruce, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you got to rival them or you got to get in there with them, support them, and then build your program up as you go. I know that's what you did. Yeah, I mean, what people don't understand is, is uh, you know, at your own university, the football team's not on my schedule. Neither is women's basketball. You know, I'm on their team. And so people would say, well, you went to a football school. I said, yeah, you're damn right I did. And we also went to a women's basketball school. And, oh, by the way, we're pretty good in baseball. And so don't don't fight it. It is what it is. That's the reality of it. And be proud of it. Own it. And so I was. it was, you know, for me, again, Go into those situations, and, and again, having been an assistant for 14 years, having been a Division II coach for nine, I'm stepping up in class in, in, in a big, big way. All I really wanted to do when I got to Tennessee was if I could earn Pat Summit's respect, Coach Fulmer's respect, based on how my teams competed and what we did, 
man, I will have accomplished something. We got to Tennessee, and it just so happened that, first of all, Buzz Peterson left the program in much better shape than everybody anybody gave him credit for. I gave him credit for it, uh, you know, when I, when, I, when I got there. The talent level that Buzz left just sort of happened to fit the way I coached. And so I had C.J. Watson. I had Chris Lofton. You know, I had, uh, you know, some – we had some pieces there when I first got the job. Those kids love playing fast. They love pressing. And my first two years at Tennessee, and, David, you were there, you know, Billy Donovan won the national championship the first two years I was at Tennessee, back-to-back. And yet we were able to go 3-1 and one against Florida and won the East the years that Florida won the national championship. It just brought some instant credibility to what we were trying to do. And as long as I mention it, let me just mention something about Billy Donovan. Um, you, you hate to – and I'm, never, I'm not afraid to because this is not a criticism of anybody else. But there was nobody that was a better coaching colleague. There was nobody that was good in victory and defeat than Billy Donovan. He was the best. You know, when I say we were 3-1 and one against him, you know, during those national championship days – you might say it, well, you're just trying to brag on your record. And the, on, the honest answer is no, because, yes, it was quite an accomplishment to be in that situation against such a great champion. But it was the way Billy Donovan always handled himself, both in victory and defeat. And then after I lost my job at Tennessee, Billy Donovan was one of those guys that never changed. David, you were as well. They didn't treat me any differently than when I was the coach at Tennessee. And, and, and for that, I've always been grateful. Well, two things, uh, three things. Uh, number one, I, I agree with you totally about Billy Donovan. I think he's still that way. Um, you know, if either you or I or anybody else called him today, he'd pick up the phone and gladly talk to us, assuming he had time. He wasn't on a plane uh, with his team going someplace else. And I, he's one of the people that you, you truly uh, continue to, to pull for each and every day. So that's one thing about your experience at Tennessee. Second thing is I'll never forgive you and Chris Lofton because you put me out of the game. Uh, we, we were playing in the SEC tournament. Uh, I think it was a semifinals, fi- uh, quarterfinals, whatever. And uh, it was one of our typical games. That thing was going to go down uh, to not the, la- not, uh, not the last uh, possession, but the last shot. And uh, Chris Lofton right in front of me had the audacity to go up right in my face, 15 feet, and he arced the ball, one of those uh, hanging jumper shots that he shot all the time. We were up one, and he hits the shot at the buzzer, to put me out of the game. I'll never forgive him for that because I, I thought uh, we, could, we could make some uh, hay in that next, uh, next round if I could have gotten by you. But that was not to be. You sent me to the pastures, and I'll never forgive you and your Tennessee team for that. But uh, you went on and did well. And then the third thing is, tell me about one of the things that you did as a head coach at Tennessee to, uh, let's say, get some – some quality attention from the student body. And the, the thing that I'm talking about is going into the either student union or your dining hall, you took off your chest, and yep. lo and behold, it's painted with that, that ugly orange that I had to look at every time I went to Knoxville. <laughs> you know, again, David. And when are you going to do it fun. at Auburn? I'm going to get them Auburn yeah, people well, on you for that. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you something. This shirt ain't coming off like, you know, I, I, I look like the incredible bulk back then. You don't even want uh, – now it's, it's, it's not it – it, it's, 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 it, don't, it don't look good. You don't, you don't want to see this. Yeah. You know, especially think, if you had, like, time ch- something to eat. Time hey, changes things. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. 
Again, we go back to development of program. You know, we, we, we are not faculty at universities, even though sometimes we teach. We're staff. And as staff, we serve our students. You know, I want to be able to uh, be some sort of a resource for them. Um, and, again, can't do without them. So one of the things that we've, we had always done, we continue to do, is uh, anytime the students, if I, I need them to come to our games and, 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 and to be successful, therefore I will participate in many of the activities on campus that the students are involved with, whether it be in service of community or fundraising, showing up at, at, at different, uh, different aspects of campus, whether it be art, theater, um, education, speaking in the classroom anytime I was asked. Uh, and, yeah, we did go into the cafeteria and stand on tables and, 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 and give out gear. But one of the things that I did there was I would go out there and I would promote other teams, other sports teams. I talk about supporting everybody else, and, and then we get our teams to go support everybody else, and then as a result, people would come support us. And so um, that was really, really, really important. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna answer one question that that you that you would probably ask here next because before we shift to Auburn, and then just talk briefly about Pat Summit and what she meant uh, to me and uh, in, in my career. Um, you know, uh, Pat again, she created a brand, and it was called the Lady Vols, and um, like the Dallas Cowboys at one time or the or the you know I'm not going to say New York Yankees because they did it one time in the Boston Red Sox or the New England Patriots let's just take the Patriots what Bill Belichick did there's a clear brand to Patriots football there was a brand to Lady Vols and when and Pat and it was all about expectations Pat had a different level of expectations for everybody she was around and that was it she expected their best and so if she wasn't getting your best Okay, she would simply say, look, you asked for this. You chose to be part of the Lady Vols. This 3.3 is not going to cut it when you should be an all-A student. This all-conference isn't going to cut it when you're supposed to be an all-American. And she, there was just no pleasing her until you were as good as you could possibly be. And, and then the second thing was while Pat was a great basketball coach, she was an even better person. And there are a lot of good coaches out there. Um, and Pat was one of them. But you combine Pat as a coach with Pat as a woman, Pat as a mother, um, and it just didn't get any better. She was the best. Do this, uh, Bruce. Take me into a living room of a prospect that you want either in Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, wherever it happens to be. Take me in that living room and tell me what you're selling at Auburn is right for me. How do you do that? As quickly as you can. Well, um, I would say this, real simple, all right? If you, if you want to focus on your, on your books and your basketball, your body and your Bible, this is a great place to be. This is a college town. Um, there's not a ton to do here. We got a ton of friendly folks, but if you don't think it's cool to go to a women's volleyball game, you're not going to fit in here. If you don't think it's okay to pray before a meal or go to Bible study and you're uncomfortable with that, it's not forced, but it's available. And it's something that, that if you want to get it, get a cover, have that closer relationship with the Lord, this is a great place to be because this is that kind of a, uh, a campus and that kind of a community. Um, you know, it just means more in the SEC. 
The SEC is the best conference in the country. I'm not talking about basketball because arguably there's several conferences that are better or compete. I'm not, but overall, men, women, all sports. You come on this campus, you're going to be surrounded by Olympians. You come on this campus, and you're going to be surrounded by a ton of guys that are going to play on Sunday. We have the finest team doctors and Dr. James Andrews. We have the finest nutritionists, sports psychologists, sports medicine, trainers. How in the world can Auburn compete at, at, at 25,000 students, compete against universities at two and three times our size in the SEC? Unless we try, don't try to provide the best student-athlete experience that there is in the country. It's, no, it's, so, so, therefore, come to Auburn. Train to be a pro. And, and, David, one of the things I'm so very proud of is the fact that, you know, our, our, our kids, we have mostly three- and four-star players. Austin Wiley was a five-star. Chuma Okiki was a five-star. But the rest of our guys were not highly ranked in recruiting. It has nothing to do with the coaching. It has everything to do with the way they train. The student athletes that make it, they make it because they have the discipline. They've got the work ethic. Yes, they get the opportunity, and maybe we put them in some positions to be successful. But listen, it's about them. It's about what they do. They get themselves in the league. They win the championships. As a result, when they don't, they don't. And um, Auburn is a really, really cool place. I've, I've been very happy every place I've been. And I'm blessed to be here at Auburn. One time I was, uh, I was with a famous coach who coached in the SEC. And I said, uh, what's the most difficult thing uh, or, or question that you get when you go in somebody's uh, living room? And he says, the mom will look at me and say, um, you know, how many, how many students do you graduate? I said, well, what did you say to him? He said, I turned to her and I said, everyone that wants to graduate. They all graduate, <laughs> those that want yep. to. Um, yep. Tell me about, I mean, I know that's got to be a push with you. Academically, you were a good student. You care about graduating. Uh, your kids are graduating. You can tell me the rate if you want to. I don't know. But I just think, you know, getting it out there that Auburn kids are in a academic curriculum and, they, and you intend for them to be on track to graduation. Well, I, I think, look, if it's important to you, it's got a chance to be important to them. And if it's not important to you, then it's got less of a chance to be important to them. And I add to what you said, everyone will graduate that wants to graduate. But they don't always come there thinking they're going to graduate. They come to school thinking they go to the NBA directly. And, and then, you know, obviously something happens to them while they're here. And then they realize it's life after basketball. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've graduated 18 student-athletes in four years. It's the most in the SEC in, for three straight years. We've had one. We've had perfect 1,000 APR. That's academic performance rating. About nine out of ten schools have it. Um, in, in basketball, we've had it three straight years. Um, and I and I and I, I you know, so I feel good about obviously that commitment. Um, we we had a bunch of guys test the waters last year. I've got a couple guys on my roster that are going to be in the NBA, and so I do feel like this is a place where you can go win championships, graduate, and have a chance to go play professionally and you know, and, 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 and life after basketball. And so, yep, Auburn is, uh, Auburn's a, a, a really cool, a cool place. And, um, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. Uh, our basketball team, you know, have, has, uh, not that we do it for this reason, 
But uh, we've been recognized uh, as one of those teams that does that, that as good a job serving our community as anybody because I expect my guys out to, to give back. Bruce, uh, let's, let's finish this up, um, and let's talk about this year. You've already, we already talked about Maui. You had a great performance over there. End up 2-1 and one coming out of there. I know you'd like to play in that final game, uh, which would have meant that you would have beaten Duke and uh, you would have played Gonzaga, the team that actually ended up winning it. Uh, I just thought it was a great experience for you. Happy for you to have the opportunity. I thought your team came over there and played really, really well. I know that's going to uh, springboard into the season. You've got a very, very difficult schedule ahead of you with the SEC, as do all teams have, and then it kind of parlays into the national. Just kind of give us a thumbnail on what you're, you're looking at right now. Well, I feel, I feel good about the progress that we've made. Um, we have a lot of work to do. We, 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 we're going to get a lot better. We need to get a lot better. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of it is the chemistry on the team and uh, in the locker room. Uh, I think coaches can help teams win a lot of games. I don't think coaches can help teams win championships. Championships are won by players. And if they decide they want to get a stop, if they decide they want to share the ball, if they decide they want to not cut corners, then they're going to give themselves a chance. If they don't make those choices, and some teams don't, they'll beat themselves. And it's hard enough to beat Duke when you, you know, rather than just you're trying to beat Duke while you're still while you're beating yourself by not valuing a possession, by not sharing the ball. By not, by you know, by by not complaining about the fact that you're getting this many minutes and this is your role, you're getting that many minutes and this is your role because this is what you've earned at this point. And um, I, I like our team. Um, I think that um, the conference is really good, really deep, and um, um, you know, so I, I just it's just about it's not where you start, it's where you finish, and how we continue to progress. Now, obviously, we've got a couple of key players, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, two terrific guards, and uh, their play uh, throughout the season is important. You know, a couple of those guys are, are not replaceable, um, so we have to stay healthy in some positions. And, uh, and then uh, I think we have a little bit more depth in our front line with Austin Wiley, Horace Spencer, Anthony McLemore, Chumo Kiki. Uh, Daniel Purifoy is now coming back to us in a few games, and that's going to give us uh, greater depth. And um, and so I think the, the key for Auburn basketball success is not five guys. It's ten guys. You know, it's Samir Dowdy. It's it's Malik Dunbar. It's Javon McCormick. It's 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 ten players because um, our five may not be as good as a lot of fives. That doesn't and their coach isn't as good as a lot of coaches. But if you put our ten out there, then we got a fighting chance. Boy, this has been fun. Uh, you know, it, it really has, and I, I, w- I certainly want to thank uh, uh, all of our fans for tuning in to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, but particularly I want to thank Coach Bruce Pearl. Uh, Bruce, you're a real tribute to all of college coaching. Uh, you do a great job there at Auburn. Auburn's lucky to have you, fortunate to have you. The fans, you're fortunate to be there. Uh, the SEC is a terrific time, so I look forward to following your Tigers uh, each and every night that they're out. Uh, the season really is starting in earnest right, uh, right now. There are going to be no easy games. you to have to play well each and every night. So good luck to you and your Tigers this year. And to learn more about the NABC, visit nabc.com.